Well, we are going to go ahead and turn to the book of Micah, the book of Micah. And I had debated, did I want to cover multiple books tonight and look at some different things? But I think we're just going to stick in the book of Micah for tonight. And in other weeks, um, we will cover some other topics and other books. Um, and I will go ahead and start out Oh, with just, uh, I'll start out with Micah chapter 6 and we'll read verse 3. I'm going to be covering a lot of verses here, but um, Micah chapter 6 verse 3 says, O my people, what have I done unto thee, and wherest have I wearied thee? Testify against me. Lord Jesus, speak to us tonight. We want to thank you for the work that you've already done. Let your word go forth and let it do a work in our hearts and way we hear from you and receive and become more like you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are studying Micah, Habakkuk, or Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So did I miss anyone right in there? No. And these are what we fit into the category of what we would like to call the minor prophets. That means they were all really little, right? No, no. Their books are smaller than I, or, um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and even Daniel sometimes. They waver back and forth, but sometimes it's thrown in what we call the major prophets. And when we're talking about the prophets, and when you're looking in, um, in the standard Bible of the day and how it's laid out, Genesis through uh, Malachi, and then Matthew through Revelation, in that order... What you will see is we first start out with the, the Pentateuch or the first five books and the story of Genesis and Exodus and the law given to Moses. And then we launch into history books. And we get to see how the children of Israel, how they enter into the land of promise. And then we get to see how um, rulers ruled over in the book of Judges. And then we see the kings in First and Second Samuel and kings in the Chronicles. We get into some poetry when we discuss Psalms and Proverbs and um, Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and books of wisdom. And then we get into all these prophets. And sometimes people wonder and they, they read the Bible and they think this is all chronological. Now, some of you already know this out there and others, this might be your first time venturing through. These gentlemen, these ones we call prophets, you might say were preachers to the president or to the kings. They existed at the same time as our books of history. And so when you get into uh, um, the, the, the stories in the book of Kings and you get into the Chronicles, you will read about a man named Hezekiah. He was a king. And if you're reading there, you would find out that Micah lived around this time of Ahaz and Hezekiah. And the kingdom was going strong. We had the kingdom, at this point in time, we had what was called the southern kingdom of Judah. And we had the northern kingdom that's often referred to Israel. And at one point in time under David and under Solomon, all these kingdoms had been together under Saul, David, and Solomon. But after Solomon, they split apart. And so when we get into these prophets, we will see that sometimes it refers to Samaria or to Israel. And sometimes that when they say Israel, it's referring to everybody. And at other points in time, it's simply referring to the northern kingdoms or those that we called Israel. And their capital was Samaria. And when we get to the southern kingdoms... We call it Judah, or we refer to the capital as Jerusalem. So if any of you ever wondered, who are these prophet guys, and where did they occur, and did their story happen after the book of Kings, 
Well, these guys, a lot of them took place right in the time of the Book of Kings. Some of them also took place during the capit- during captivity. Um, so we have Micah here, and this is before Judah was placed into captivity. Um, and when we begin to read the prophets, we see a lot of warning that goes out. We see prophetic words that tell us about the times of Jesus, and we're going to be hearing about these prophetic words here from, from Bishop this next week. God's given him a word that spans all the books. Um, we, we see words about the future. When you read about Daniel, you see clear into the end time, and it matches up with Revelation. Um, that is not the only place. Uh, but you also see prophetic words given to the children of Israel for their time. And we can take encouragement from the prophetic words. And when I say prophetic words, I mean God telling them about what's going to happen in their future. Um, he also told them about their time. But when he gave them a word about their future, is what, which we often think of as when we think prophecy, we think, oh, it's got to be about the future. It doesn't just have to be about the future. It can be about a word from God for your time. Um, but when we, we think about the future, we get to see the word of God go out for their future. The Assyrians are going to come. The Medes and the Persians are going to come. And here is why. We see this in the prophets. And these preachers, during the time that folks were living and they were living life and farming the fields and and going to their temples and their high places and offering up sacrifices and, and wars were going on and times of peace, these preachers stood up and said, hold on, people, we have a problem in our country. And that's what we see in Micah. In Micah, we see three words go forth, or three, you can refer to them as oracles, words from God that go out and And God begins to declare to them, first he declares judgment, we see in chapter 1, against Israel and Judah. And he begins to declare to them, here's what's going to happen to you. And it wasn't good. Why was God angry with the children of Israel? Why was he angry with Judah? Why was he frustrated by them? Well, one we see is their high places. See, they begin to worship other things. Um, when Elijah was up there on Mount Carmel and, and, and the, the fire fell and it began to burn, do you know that the children of Israel also served God? We think they had left God. That's not the problem. They made other things equal to God. You know what? I can focus on my job and my dreams and my visions and my success in life and live for God. And you're saying, well, what's wrong with that, Lucas? We got, is he in the car? We got Joey right over here. Joey has a business. And he's building it. And he's working hard for the family. And he's putting all this together. Bishop, we have him putting a church together. He's, he's moved from Maine all the way here so he could be closer to the state of misery where he was born. Uh, right? No. Um, what do they, they have in their mind? I see something that I'm striving towards. And they're building this thing. But you know what? They cannot put it above. I don't care if it's just his church. They can't put it even equal to God. God first. And what that means if God says, I know you're going towards that, but I need to put you through a dry place over here. And you're going to say, but God, we were reaching the lost. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's why you're all alone over here. 
because I've put you here. And you say, but what about the vision? It's okay, we're over here. Uh, um, Joey's like, God, I, I, you told me, hey, go ahead, do this job. Why is it so hard right now? It's okay, put me first. You see, you can go through tough times, but when you put God first, you're, you're telling him, God, I trust you even when it's hard. And, and so what we see is the children of Israel begin to worship other things equally. You cannot make your spouse equal to God. You cannot make your family equal to God. You, I'm sorry, folks. You're not living if you're trying to escape death. Now, I'm not talking about being crazy and go running out on the interstate. I'm going to drive properly, wear my seatbelt. But I want you to understand, when you're challenged against your values and against the values of this book, be careful. Because it is more precious and more worthy to die for the word of God in this book than to try to save your life and to escape a, a, a death in the moment. I promise you, God is going to come and be with you. God is going to be your rescuer. Let me put it a little plainer. If they were to come and try to tell you to deny Jesus, right? Don't deny him. But sometimes it won't look quite so plain as deny Jesus, but they're going to begin to ask you to maybe give up some things. Maybe in the moment they'll say, well, why don't you go ahead and give up church? It might seem to make sense in the moment. We got coronavirus, okay? We're dealing with that. But in some point in there, you're going to all of a sudden realize, hold on a second. What's this doing to my soul? You know what? Even if the motives were pure, I've got to get back to God. And at some point in time, you're going to realize the motive isn't pure, and I am not giving God up, no matter what you tell me to do. Oh, church, I'm sorry. In some of the places I hear, well, you can't sing. Oh, well, maybe in this little room I'm not going to sing, but put me outdoors, because you're not going to take away my song. Oh, I sing because of Jesus. I sing because of him. And so God come along, and he said, look at these idols. I can't deal with this anymore. Oh, we hit in there into chapter 3. And when we begin to read into chapter 3, God begins to come down on the rulers of the land. He says, hey, you're supposed to be taking care of people. Instead, you're hurting them. You don't care about the poor and needy. Oh, as I thought about this and read this, I thought about our nation. We've got rulers who have taken advantage of people's predicaments and troubles and causes. I'm sorry every time I see a funeral for somebody who was shot. And then I see politicians parade themselves out there. They care nothing about the person that died. But they just care about getting into office. And I, I, I'm calling that out right now. Oh, you need to look at that and to see the hypocrisy as people line their pockets. But you know there's preachers that do that. They get up there and they say, oh, hey, God's going to take care of your needs because you can't pay the bills. So send money into my ministry and I'll buy a plane. I'll make my house bigger. It is hypocrisy. And you know where judgment begins? At the house of God first. If you think this nation of the United States of America is so great, look at the blood in the streets of aborted babies. Look at their disregard for God in the halls of Congress. Oh, look when they tell you that you can walk any way that you want, and it's okay. They're sending you on a road to hell. 
Do not listen to the leaders that are not of God in this land. And do not listen to its false prophets. God cares nothing about nations. They are a drop in the bucket. And they will fall to the side. And they will be consumed. I'm sorry I love the United States of America. But its precious declaration of independence and constitution is not the Bible. And it will fall. Oh, I am so fired up today. And so God came to the land. And he is like, I can't deal with this. So judgment must fall. And it is a good thing when God decides that you cannot continue in your sin. That judgment must fall. Why? Because he's saying you need to be shook up. You can't continue to live this way. You know, when it happened before, during the flood, there was no hope. God didn't bring a precursor of, I'll put you into bondage first, so you can repent. When the floods came, they were wiped out. And hear me today, church, when the fire falls, and I'm not talking about the day of Pentecost, but the fire of judgment at the end, it is too late Oh, when he descends on that mountain, this dispensation is going to wrap up. There will be no more infilling of the Holy Ghost. So you got to be thankful when God comes and says, I need to shake you a little bit. Oh, he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, you can learn this from the prophets. Because what we begin to learn is that God warned them that judgment's going to come. And then it came. And I'm going to be careful here that I don't steal thunder for a different message down the way here this month. But uh, God's good. But he warned judgment's going to come. And it came. And the children of Israel to this day recognize either that hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Or they're atheist. There isn't let me chase after other gods and let me do other things. You don't, you don't see all these high places. Why? Because they learned out of here that God put me into judgment and that God brought me out. You see the Assyrians when you look at them and they begin to attack and they overtook. It was not the Assyrians that overtook. It was God that said, all right, go ahead. I need you to carry out judgment So I brought you into this time, Assyrians, but one day your judgment's going to be fulfilled. Your time's going to come to pass. And and so God is the one that placed Israel into judgment. Oh. And then we come to the third place where God spoke. And God said to them, what I read, verse 3, he says, Oh, my people, what have I done unto thee? What have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. Oh, I see God standing here in front of his people. He's speaking through the prophet, through the man of God. But it is no less the words of God if he speaks them through a preacher. That's a heavy weight to bear as a preacher. It's a heavy weight. To, 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 when you think about it, normally I, I don't just get up every time I'm standing up here in every word, but when God comes down and he gives words to speak, that is not a light thing. It is not a light thing. God speaks and he wants you to listen. And he spoke through Micah. Oh, my people, what have I done to thee? 
Can't you see God? He's passed out judgment. He's called out the leaders. Now he comes again. He says, what did I do? What did I do to you? For I brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of my servants. I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. And he just names those, but he sent many other leaders. Joshua, David, Samuel. He sent words. He put them out there. He, he gave warnings. He gave cries. He, I brought you out of sin. Hear me today, church. Jesus Christ brought you out of a miserable mess. He put you here. Whether it was a mess from childhood or it was a mess you brought on yourself later in life I don't, or that just came on you and you don't know from where. I don't care the source of your mess or the cause. Please, please. I, how do I say this? Stop living back here. Okay? I know it's a mess. But you can either say... God, let me be in a mess to start with, so I'm turning my back. No, no, don't do it. Instead, say, I don't know why I was there, but he found me. I don't know why I went through all that, but I love Jesus, and he's putting my life together, and I'm going to let him do it. Oh, can we go ahead? Give him a hand clap. You see, church, God never owed us anything. We, we didn't deserve anything. We were born into sin and corruption. But God, in His love and mercy, said, Hey, I want to put the pieces of your life together, and I want to make something out of you. And I, because I love you. And so He tells him, I brought you out of Egypt. I redeemed thee out of the house of thy servants. I sent before thee. Oh, my people, remember, remember. And he, he told him about Balak of Moab. And then he says in verse 6, he's talking. He's in, it says, wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Micah here says, shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with the calves of a year old? This echoes back to Psalms chapter 51. And in Psalms chapter 51, David here is broken and he's crying out. And, and as he cries out, he says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Oh, David, when he was broken before God for his sin, he got down and he said, God, I wish that I could just give you some great big sacrifice. If I could just go get another cow, and I could put it on the altar, and I could offer it up, eh, wouldn't that be great, my worship? You could liken that to your worship when you come up here and you dance and shout before the Lord. You could liken it to when you, when you uh, uh, work really hard in the kingdom, whether it was working in this building back here in the Sunday school wing or, or teaching a Bible study or witnessing or, or giving a lot of money to the church. You could say, well, God, here's my worship. But you know what God wants first? He wants your obedience. He wants your broken heart when you've sinned. He wants your desire to change. You know, you can't just come and say, whew, I messed up. Let me button up the coat and do good going forward. That's right. You do need to do good going forward. But you need to look and say, that was wrong. 
and I can't just cover it up. Because what you do is you release pride and you open yourself up and instead of you just covering that up and saying, oh, I couldn't have God know that I did this wrong. Let me just go forward. It didn't work for Adam and Eve and it doesn't work for us today. And so we have to come broken before God. So shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with calves of a year old? Will, thou be, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Oh, he says, shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? I can't even offer up my child. But you know what happened one day? God gave up himself. Oh, you could, I, I have Liam, I have Finn, Emery, Avery, London. Not only is God against child sacrifice, but I could not even give up my future. I couldn't give it up. There's nothing that I could do. But, so I need to bring him my broken heart, my contrite heart. He's, he hath showed us, oh man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee? What does God want? To do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with thy God. With thy God. I titled this tonight, How Then Shall We Live? When I'm on my Amazon account, I see a movie series called How Then Shall We Live? I, I clicked on it once. I thought, man, I wonder if I would like to look at this one day. But this title has stuck in my head. I know nothing about the book series, <laughs> nothing about it. It's probably good. I don't know. I don't know. So if it's bad, please don't come see me. Now, maybe some of you have watched it. But it struck, stuck in my head. How then shall we live? And I was thinking about the church tonight, and I was thinking about Micah and these prophets. and They're in a time of judgment and some of them eventually get hauled off to bondage. We have Nehemiah. We have Ezra. Um, we have Esther. They get hauled off to bondage. They're living in Babylon. They're living in Nineveh. And they're, they're living in these places. And, and, and they would look around and they would say, well, I didn't sin. Why has God placed me here? Well, well, why is our land overtaken by the enemy? It wasn't me. Some of them would have said, well, I did sin. You know what Daniel did? He began to pray as if he did sin. And he said, hear me, O God. And he repented. That's what these prophets did. They began to repent as if it was them. But, but you would say, well, God, it wasn't me. Why do I have to be in the middle of this? I would like to ask you today, go ahead and stop asking the question, why? And just say, God, no matter where I'm at, I'm going to serve you. No matter where I'm at, I'm going to serve you. And, and so Micah, he writes here, and, and he says, But how, what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? Church, I want to tell you right now, it doesn't matter if you live in a terrible marriage. And if your job is the worst job out there, and if your body is racked by cancer, and you can't hardly pay the bills, I, maybe if you're hearing me online, you somehow ended up in jail or you're in prison. Wherever you're at, 
Do the right thing. I know it's hard. Whether you're a leader of this country or you're a leader on a job or you're a leader in your family, do justly. If you lead nobody, you're just a peer and, or, or you're, you're, a, um, you're a child. I guess all of our children are out of here. Do the right thing. Treat people right. And this is hard, right? Man, that's what we tell kids. I say it on my job. We go through all this training on harassment training of all sites and varieties. We go through training. I went through training on, on the other day on uh, um, don't overthrow your government. Yep. Um, I was like, all right, we're here. I wasn't planning on that, but they reminded me over and over for the period of the training, for the half hour, do not participate in or overthrow or anything. Get away from it. I, was, I wasn't. I, I like working here, and I like this job, and I like this country. Um, and I turned to a coworker, and I was like, just love people. If you love people like you would love yourself, you say, what, what, wait, hold on a second. That means I don't think of myself better than Joey. I don't think, really? I'm smarter than him. You know who's got the business? It's not me. It's him. I'm admire you, bro. I'm like, start a business? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I was nervous when he started it, but he stepped out in faith. I'm picking on you tonight. You're right there. Um, you know, um, don't. Just you need to love people. Treat them like you would think of yourself. Do right. Do justly. And then love mercy. You know, th this isn't hard. Mercy? They deserved it. That's not mercy. Man, I hate that happened to them. I, I don't want that for them. When you're angry with somebody, stop and think. Wait, have I been in a spot where I wished that somebody wouldn't be angry with me? Have have. I needed somebody to care about me. I sure have. You know, when the officer pulled me over, I was like, I'm so sorry, sir. I hope you were pulled over once before and you got out of your ticket. <laughs> I, I remember I got, when I first got pulled over, I was coming back from a church service. I was speaking in tongues and then I was crying. That's embarrassing. I shouldn't have told you that. Um, I was like, he's like, you know what? You're more than 25 over. I'm like, that's because there was a speed zone. <laughs> I didn't slow down. He's like, in Iowa, you lose your license. I was like, no. <laughs> He's like, so I'm going to make you one mile less. He had mercy on me and a ticket. But I was thankful that he made me one mile less. I was thankful he had mercy on me. And I was thankful that God kept me from killing somebody. You know, have mercy on people. You may have not had their addiction, but you've gone through something. So instead of saying, I never did it, say, I did something, God. So have mercy on them. Have mercy because none of us deserves to live. All of us deserves the judgment of God. But he had mercy and grace on us. He's held back the judgment. And he's given love. And he's given blessings that we cannot imagine. And he's chose to live in us. And I'm sorry. Paul consented to Stephen's death. He's like, yeah, we got to do this, guys. Here, give me your coat. Stone him. Stone him. And God said, I'm going to make you the greatest ministry. You're going to write most of the New Testament. Oh, David was a murderer. 
David committed adultery. And yet God said, I'm going to make you be the greatest prophet regarding Jesus. And he's going to come and you're going to be mentioned as the, he's of the lineage of the king of David. Hear me, O oh, today. Have mercy. Have mercy. And walk humbly with thy God. Oh, and it all flows together, right? But when you get all kind of stuck up, you know what? Just God's God. And I'm nobody without him. I want to just pause on that for a moment. Each of you have been made the children of the king. And you're also called the bride of Christ. You sat at the table. When you sat at the table, stop seeing yourself as the sinner. Okay? How do I say this? If you were an alcoholic, you don't need to sit at the table every day. And when you pick up that your drink at the king's table of the, the spirit of God, right? You're sitting there. I'm an alcoholic. No. Oh, I'm a child of the king delivered. I'm a child of the king saved by grace. I'm the child of a king. Why? You need to get this in your mind. That's called humbly. That, that's, that's saying, you know what? When the devil comes along and says, you're nobody. You say, I'm not, but be delivered in Jesus' name. And the devil says, you're, you're, you're not worth anything. You say, yeah, but Jesus said I'm worth something. Get behind me, Satan. And that begins to walk in authority. You say, he's everything. I'm nothing. So I apply his name. Because if you don't walk humbly, then he's looking at you because you're applying your name. And he says, hey, who are you? Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who are you? You got to walk humbly before God. Walk humbly before God. And then I just want to flip over to Micah chapter 7. Because as he's wrapping up this book, Micah begins to give an outlook to somebody that says, why I live in a corrupt land? Why do I suffer judgment? And then you look around and I cry out. I'm t- I promise you, it's not to toot my horn, but I, w- I drive around this nation and my heart cries out. And nobody's in the car, and I'm glad for that, because I yell at the top of my lungs, look at them, Jesus. Look at them. I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want them to go to hell. And, and we're sitting there, and we live in this, this country, this great country. And we go through its ups and downs. And you know what? That's a good thing. Why? Because you feel their pain just a little bit. And you begin to cry out to God for them. Uh, you know the children of Israel when they were in bondage. They went through some of the first plagues. And then God said okay you don't have to go through anymore. But Goshen was still in the land of Egypt. And they saw their fellow Egyptians suffer that they had worked with. And for every day. And, and, and I can't help but think that they also saw the awesome power of God. But then they saw what was happening, and they had felt just a taste of it. Oh, God gave the Egyptians chance after chance. God did. God didn't just immediately fall with the firstborn. He didn't just wipe it all out in one moment. He could have. Instead, he gave them another shot and another shot. So when you look around... And you taste a little bit of it. You can begin to cry out. And so Micah says here, verse 7 of chapter 7, Therefore I will look unto the Lord. 
I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I wanted to tell somebody tonight, I don't know where you're at. I don't know how despondent and down and depressed you've become. Do not ever give the devil one second of any, any authority or power. Don't let him gloat for one moment. When he comes along and he's like Job's wife and says, just give up on God. Just curse God and die. You say, no, I'm choosing to wait on God. Oh, I may be at the lowest place I've ever been, but I'm waiting on God. Oh, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I know that one day Jesus is going to show up. Oh, I, I, we're going through the hard times, and it may be the rest of my life, but these bones one day are going to come back together. I'm waiting on God. Oh, if we didn't have the hope of Jesus Christ, like Paul said, we would be the most miserable. But we have a hope in Jesus. And if you go your entire life and you don't see the second coming of Jesus Christ and you never see all your family saved, oh, wait on God. Wait on God. If you happen in the next few days to be taking your last breath on a bed, I want you to give God glory and tell your family that stands beside you, wait on God. My God will hear me. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. Oh, I can see Micah saying, you know what? I've made up my mind. I'm waiting on God. He's going to hear me. He's going to hear me. Oh, it's like Job. I looked on the right and I looked on the left. Oh, but one day I know I'm going to see him. Oh, that's Micah. He's going to hear me. He's going to hear me. And then he says, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. He's telling that. He's telling that to the land. You know what? We're going to get back up. You see, God has given you those promises. But it's not just enough for, you to, for God to give the promise. It's for you to take the promise and to live it. See, you could decide to exit life prematurely. And I don't mean, I don't mean just suicide, okay? I mean, you could say, I'm done with church. Nope, I'm walking out. Oh, hear me. You need to make these things up in your mind today because when you go through that struggle, and sometimes, you know what, it happens on Thursday. And you go through it, and it all floods back in, and you can hardly remember Wednesday when I stood here and said, remember this. You make up in your mind, when I fall, I'm getting back up. You know, that even means when I sin. Oh, when, when I sinned and I thought I would never go back to that sin, I'm getting back up. Rejoice not against me. Oh, that's what I like to tell the devil. Don't you rejoice. Oh, mine enemy, when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Oh, Micah's sitting there. Oh, this is a great prayer. You know what it is? It is. Because you're telling God. Oh, you're like David. What did David say when the prophet came and said, okay, what do you want for judgment? A, B, C, what do you, what do you want? He says, none of the above. 
Let God be my judge. Let him pick. Oh, why? Because I'm going to go ahead and whatever it is, I'm right here. Okay, God, I'm right here. I'm right here, God. I'm still right here. Why? Because I know however I got here, whether it be that I sinned and that he cried out, I've sinned. And he cried out for that. Or whatever the circumstance is, if you will walk humbly and you'll make up your mind, I'm going to bear the indignation of God. I'm going to bear his judgment. Because one day he's going to come and he's going to judge. He's going to judge and it's not going to be piling on you. Oh, but God's light is going to shine into your life and your enemies are going to be scattered. Oh, God's, God's truth will come through. His blessings are there. And God is said he would never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I'm with you always. We can count on him. I'd like us to stand to our feet. I trust tonight, when you're reading through these prophets, I want you to begin to look what you're going to see as you read through them. You're going to see a lot of judgment, meaning bad, okay? When, when God's coming down on the nation. He first tells them this is going to happen, and then, it, and then you'll begin as you study to see it happen, okay? And so you see God cries it out, and then you see them all go into bondage. God always brings hope because God doesn't put you through pun or and through correction let me put it this way God doesn't put you through correction to not bring you out to the other side okay so learn from the words learn from the prophets if God is letting you go through something it's, it's because he's growing you and when he chastises you it's because he's correcting you He's not just some, he's not a mean God that's toying with you. And make up in your mind, when I fall, I shall arise. And I'm going to wait on God because he hears me. Can we just talk to him for a moment and make our commitment to God? God, you hear me. God, I've made up my mind that no matter what I go through, Lord, no matter what my nation goes through, Oh, God, what, no matter what happens in my family or happens in, in my marriage or happens with my children or my job, or, oh, God, no matter where I'm at, I am not walking out on you. No matter what judgment may would fall my country, Jesus, oh, I'm calling on you to deliver my nation. I repent of my nation's sins, oh, God. Oh, God, heal my nation. Forgive them, oh God, and bring them out of their wickedness, Lord. But I'm going to wait on you. Oh, I know that you hear me, oh God. Hear us, oh God. Forgive us, oh God. Oh Lord, we see in the Old Testament that judgment was given. Oh God, that punishment fell. Oh, but that God, you then begin to bring back. Lord, see our country Hear our country. We weep for our country. Save much people, oh God. Save much people, Lord. Oh God, we make our commitment to you. We trust in you, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.